Welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. Our desire at MOF PHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that He will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Pastor Jeff, for letting me have an opportunity to speak to you guys today, because it's not easy to give up this pulpit. I know that in B3, it, I hate when I can't get a chance to speak to B3, so thank you for this opportunity. I know you needed a break this week, but hey, at least you got some fishing in, but Caden caught them all, sorry. Um, okay, just a question to you guys, because it feels like this to me. Is it, is it just me, or is summer just flying by? It has been absolutely crazy between vacations, thank God we got one, hopefully you'll get one vacations, we had camps for B3, Lord, it was like camp after camp, and then as soon as we were done with camp, some crazy person scheduled a lock-in, they're crazy, I don't know why they would do that, we had different kind of camps, we had, we've been doing uh, outreaches, we've been trying to do some, uh, getting B3 involved and doing some volunteering in the community, so just a plug to all of my B3 people, August 6th, we're doing some more volunteering, so if you're not here, I will come find you, okay, so moving past that, and then this past week, we just got back from YouthQuest, and we're going to have to have a conversation with Stephen Jones. I don't know why we keep pushing them farther and farther out. That was ridiculous. Kentucky was fantastic, but no one wants to drive through West Virginia. Are you kidding me? Google said nine hours. Google lies. Google lies. Google does not take into account that if you have teenagers at all, any stop is 30 minutes plus. Even if you're just getting a gallon of gas, it's 30 minutes because now we've got to potty. <laughs> Until I have a three-year-old. I was about to say two-year-old. A three-year-old as of yesterday. Uh, no, not all right. Soon he'll be singing up here. No, I'm just kidding. I wish. Uh, Youth Quest was fantastic. We are so proud of our teenagers and all that they did. And it wasn't just the fact that they got all the way to nationals because Lord knows we have more talented teenagers than I've ever seen. It's not the fact that they got to nationals. It's not the fact that they did really well at nationals. The fact that what really amazed me was how they did it. They did not just get up on stage, recite where they were supposed to recite, or do the exact moves because Melissa will kill them if they don't. No, they got up there and absolutely worshipped. Absolutely worshipped. There was a... There were different types of things they did. They dramas, preaching, music, so much more. And they worshipped while they did it, and it showed in how they did it. And we just can't be more thankful of our teenagers, how just dedicated they are, how much time and energy they put into it. So before I tell you the results, I know Miss Kelly's down the hall. Melissa, can you stand up, please? Okay, this lovely young lady here in the back is one of the biggest reasons why we get to YouthQuest every year. She puts in so much time and energy with these teenagers. It cannot be expressed enough how thankful we are to her. So if you would, just give her a hand for me, please. So that being said, we took 23 teenagers that actually went and competed. We had a few more that tagged along. They just wanted to go for the services. And if you can, next year, it's in Jacksonville, so you should go for the services alone because they are amazing. But we had 23 that competed in 20 different categories. So we had two honorable mentions, six second place, and 12 first place out of all that. Now see that next picture real quick? Now this one right here, 
This was the very last thing they did at the show. The very last drama, the very last everything about the show, and then we close out with prayer. This is our teenagers doing the large worship. I'm right, large worship, Melissa? Creative movement. They all run together for me. I'm sorry. That's why Melissa does it. Okay. This is them up there doing their last bit. This is what, 20 kids in this one, one scene? 23 in this one scene. Every single one of them were worshiping with all they had. Junior was in the back telling them before they went on stage, let's just not get these moves right. Let's go out there and worship. He had tears in his eyes while explaining it that let's go out there and worship. That's why we won first place because we were worshiping. And they got up there and did it in front of all 1,000 people. So I could not be more proud of our teenagers for that. So after my shameless plug for B3... Let me go ahead and go on and explain to you what God has laid on my heart today. The question I have for you, the question I have for all of us today, is your house on a solid foundation? Is your house on a solid foundation today? Let's pray. Father, this service is yours. Father, these words are yours, this time is yours. I pray, Lord, as Caleb said earlier, God, that you would remove all distraction, that you would remove anything that is trying to hinder us from hearing from you, from receiving what you have today. Father, this time is yours, and we thank you, God, that we get a chance to spend it with you. God, we don't deserve your grace, but God, you give it so freely. God, in this time, minister to us so that we can therefore carry it out and minister to this community. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, you have to continue to forgive my bias. All of my thought for us when it comes to ministry, every thought that I have is towards B3 and our teenagers, every thought that I have, because everything I think of when I think of them is, could I use that? Could we use that? Could that benefit them? How could we get them out into the community to get them beyond themselves for just a few minutes? That is my goal when it comes to B3, is to set a foundation in their lives that they can carry forward set a real foundation. I, I'm trying not to lose it right now when I think about Caleb leaving. He's become literally family to me, and I know he's leaving. Thank God he's going to a Bible college, but I'm still struggling with the idea of him being gone because that means I can no longer pour in him. That means all of my time with him is gone, and thank God he's got good Christian parents because what would that foundation be like if he didn't? One of the most exciting parts about coming to this church and getting a chance to really revitalize this ministry was we got a chance to start a middle school ministry. And that, was a, that was an absolute victory because it's not that we didn't want it. It was just we had to get all of our ducks in a row before we could get it done. And we were so excited about that, and Pastor Jeff and I were discussing it, and we got so excited about the idea of doing this middle school ministry because we thought of it as another chance to build that foundational theology for them to build that foundation for them. Yes, middle schoolers are allowed to come to B3 on Sunday nights, but every chance you can get to pour into them, every chance you can get to take Scripture and put it on their level, every chance you can get to show them that church is not just sit in a pew, it is truly about getting into the Word and enjoying it. The Word is alive, right? Jesus talked about how he came to give life and give it abundantly. So we, I want my teenagers and these middle schoolers to understand as we pour into them that you can have fun and still be in God. You do not have to have fun to be in the world and all that. You can do it through God. So we try to build up that theology, that foundation in them. We try to build it up because everywhere they turn, they're being questioned. 
They're being questioned into the validity of whether or not God actually exists. I've had teenagers recently come up to me and have conversations with me and describe how they've been in church their entire lives, yet they still have moments where they're questioning whether or not God actually exists, whether or not God actually cares, because what does the world always say? Why would God allow good or bad things to happen to good people? These are the questions that people ask and that have been pushed out to this generation that have been constantly pushed out through everything they see, through news, social media, everything. Because the people posting that, the people saying that, are people that don't have good foundations in God. They're the people that have been rocked by it all, and now they don't know what to do. They're adrift. They've got nothing to grab a hold of, and they're struggling. So is our house on a solid foundation right now. I want to look at scripture here. In this, Luke, this is in Luke 6, starting in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? It's already starting off on a bad note, isn't it? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and the destruction was complete. Another version actually talks about how the destruction was great. How it takes it all out. It was complete. Jesus plainly points out in his word there that it isn't enough to say that we know Jesus. It is not enough to say that we go to church. Periodically, we'll uh, have a nice young lady in our youth group who will get a new boyfriend. I don't like it. But they'll get a new boyfriend, and the first question my wife and I ask is, are they a Christian? And their response will be, they go to this church. I'm like, no, that's not what I asked you. I asked you, are they a Christian? And then they just stare at us blankly. It happens almost every time. When we ask, because there's a big difference between saying we're a Christian and attending church and actually putting it in action in our lives. That's what he talks about here. That is a big difference that those who truly follow him, the ones that are saying Lord and actually saying Lord and meaning it, meaning that you're my master, you are my Lord, you are the one that tells me how to live my life, you're the one guiding my steps. And if I truly mean it, that means when you tell me something, when I'm reading into your word or when your Holy Spirit drops it into me, that I will do what you say. But the problem is, is that so often as human beings, we hear what he says and sometimes we don't like what he says, so we turn away from that. And every time we turn away, that foundation is just weakened and weakened. So it's not enough to say it and to do it because we all have experienced it before. Literally, sadly, in this community, we've literally experienced the flooding. They will come. How many? You said there was a 100-year flood here like twice in the last 10 years or so? You can't escape it. You can't just expect it to happen to everyone else. It happens to all of us at points where if we're not grounded, if we're not stuck to that foundation, what will happen to us? The ones that can walk in confidence, the ones that can walk 
in victory are the ones that are stuck to that foundation. They are turned to the Lord rather than turned away, and they can walk with that. But when that foundation is weak, it's another story. But that house may look amazing. I mean, the house can look incredible. You can drive by that house every day and think, man, I wish I had a house like that. You could even walk inside that house if you were so blessed to go inside that house and see that even the walls and everything in that house are immaculate. Like you wish you could have a house like that. My wife watches Chip and Joanna Gaines, and she just wants Joanna Gaines to show up at our house and just to do whatever she wants to do. I want a new house first because I don't like that thing. If anybody knows a house in this area, let me know. I say it every time I get up here, but no, no, I'm just kidding. The house might look absolutely amazing. Let me tell you a story about this. My father, my father builds houses. He's a contractor. He builds houses. And growing up, I would go visit my dad twice a year. Once in the summer for like a month, and then once at Christmas or somewhere around Christmas, I'd go for a week. Every time I would go to my dad's, I would end up going to work with him because who doesn't like free labor? Okay, so... I'm just kidding. It was really annoying to him. I never did it right. We would go every year, twice a year, and I would go with my dad to work. And he's building houses, framing most of the time, trim work, whatever, additions. Anywhere you can find stuff on Cape Cod, he was doing it. I would go up there all the time. And every time I would go, and even sometimes in the summer when I would go, we would hit multiple sites when I was there. Because you know you got to keep getting more and more stuff if you want to keep getting money, right? So he would go from one site to another. And I remember this one house in an area called Mashpee on Cape Cod. It was a massive house. Absolutely massive house. That's why it's so vivid in my memories because it was huge. Okay, when I first got there and we were going up to it, it's a job site. There's, you know, huge dumpsters, a porta potty. Everything's all out front. This really nice neighborhood. They had to love that porta potty. Okay, so I thought the house was two-story because I'm walking in up to it and they're framing it and they're doing all this stuff. And it's really big and it's two-story and then I find out that it's actually three-story they actually had a third third floor down below that it was cut out in the hill to where you could walk out of that back door and go right into the yard have a nice huge deck above you they had money this was a very rich neighborhood and I was just blown away so we spent almost the whole time I was there at this one house working on it I remember my, like the last thing I can remember is my dad working on the trim and God knows there was a lot of trim all throughout this house. He was working on the trim, and then I remember leaving and flying home to Jacksonville. And then to my surprise, six months later when I go back up, we go back to the same house. Okay, when I left, you were working on the trim. That means you were at the end. And now, six months later, we're back at this house. Something's not good. Though when you're pulling up to the house, it looks fantastic. Manicured lawn, cars out front. I can't even pronounce they're so nice. You go inside, the wall's professionally painted, not like my painting where I can do the color. Okay, the white ceiling, the color. Okay, I'm hitting it every time. Okay, that's what my house looks like. Ask my wife, I'm OCD when it comes to painting, but I can't even do it right. We pull up to this house, manicured lawn. We go inside the house. It's no longer plywood. There's tile down. It's fancy. Every room I'm in, I'm like, this is nice. It's finally nice to see a house completed. We always leave when people are coming in to finish it. So I never get to see a house this nice. We're going downstairs into the basement. Now keep in mind, my dad was the subcontractor for this job. My great uncle Skip was the contractor. And I see Skip. Skip's not happy. Skip's not happy at all. This really, really, really expensive house was built upon soil that was a little softer than they thought it was. 
So this really nice house with all these really nice things. I mean, we're in this basement. There's like a pool table, a jukebox. I mean, this is nice. It's cracking. The foundation is cracking because the house is sinking a little bit because the soil's softer than they thought. Can you imagine those homeowners? I remember Skip's face the whole time. He was, I can't repeat what Skip was saying. Okay? Skip was, Skip was beat red. Can you imagine how the homeowners would look like? If that was your home, how would you feel? Six months old house, and all of a sudden you're sinking? You may not be saying words I can repeat. This is how it was going into this house, and that's all I could think of is they've got stuff in this house that I could never afford. They've had these walls professionally done I could never afford. I mean, this place is massive, absolutely massive, but yet it's sinking. Yet the foundation is cracking. All that money that they've spent, now we're coming into this house and we're having to jack it up and fix it and do this and that to try to make sure that the house is steady and sturdy so they can, you know, keep up with the Joneses while they're at it. This is what we're doing. We're in this house that is sinking, that the foundation is weakening because the ground around it is going away. I could not imagine the homeowners how they felt, how frustrated they were. And now, as their foundation is weakening in this moment that they have to, in their physical realm that they live in, they're they're having to turn to man-made things to fix what they're going through. How often is that true with us that as we're dealing with such tough stuff, as we're dealing with stuff as our foundation is trying to whittle away that the tendency is to turn to man-made things. The tendency is to look to whatever man says is best because that's the predominant thing. I was reading in an article this year, I've been hearing about it for forever, but I was reading in an article about North Topsail Beach. Poor North Topsail Beach, after hurricane, after hurricane, after hurricane, it's just eroding away. The beach is disappearing. I saw pictures from it that were, I mean, it, the house is on stilts and the ocean is underneath it. That's how much it's eroding away out there. And these, they're worried about the houses being swept away. And you want to talk about some money. You want to live out on the beach, you got to spend some money on those things. Reading the article, it talked about how, this article from April, where it talks about how they're trying to implement a sandbag system. So they're building walls. They want to actually build two walls, one that acts as like soldiers that takes the main brunt of the waves and another wall to prevent all the water truly getting up there and eroding away everything they've done. The town and the property owners have gotten together and they've kind of worked together spending money on it. And I was just dumbfounded when they talked about it. They've only built one wall so far and they've spent $2 million. $2 million of sand to try to stop the sand from leaving. Stop the erosion, the foundation weakening and leaving. They're doing all that. They're doing all this man-made stuff to save what they want because the foundations are not on a good spot. So the question we have today is, is your house on a solid foundation? Because the tendency is, though we may hear the word, there's a big difference between hearing the word and acting on the word. The ones that actually act on it, the ones that turn to what Jesus is saying, have something to stand on when things get tough. The ones that respond to what he's saying, the ones that grab a hold of Scripture and implement it in their life rather than checking it off as something done, the ones that actually do it have someone to lean on when things get rough in Jesus. But the ones that don't, the ones that turn away are 
struggling. But the question is, it says that everyone who hears, everyone who hears. So that means every person will hear from God, and yet it is up to every person how they will respond. Matthew 24, 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. But then the question becomes, what about the remote corners, places where they don't speak English, the places where we cannot get to easily, some deepest, darkest jungle. I saw on Twitter they were showing a, a video of a guy chopping down a tree in the rainforest, and they think it's the last remaining person from this village, and no one has ever spoken to him. They've just seen him. His whole village is wiped out. They think this is the last dude for the last 50 years living on his own. But what about that guy being so far out there? Will he hear of Jesus? Romans 1, 19 and 20 says, Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been, made, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. We are without excuse when it comes to our reaction to God and His Word. Every person will hear the word of God. Every person will hear from God. Every person will have a pull from the Holy Spirit as to turn towards God. But it is up to us to respond to that. To turn towards him or to turn away. Every person will have that. Because there's a big difference between hearing and acting. My kids, every single day, have the choice to respond correctly. Every day, I will tell them what they're supposed to do. Every day, they can make a choice as to whether or not they do it. But it is in their best interest for them to do what I've told them. <laughs> Poor Caden. The other day, my wife came in there. I thought I was getting in trouble. She came in there. I was in the bedroom doing something. And she walked in there and was telling me about the kids. And I thought I was in trouble. And I'm going, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And she said, I know you didn't do it, but if you don't go there, talk to them. So you ever had to do that? Like dads, have you ever had to like do that where you're just like walking in there? Like, and then you got to turn the switch on. You got to go from like zero to 100 real fast. You got to go grab them and let them know real fast. That if you do like you can't move your teeth. If you move your teeth, you're showing like weakness. If you got to hold your teeth real tight, and if you do not do what she tells you to do, and she yells at me again, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Like, I was happy, I was content, and now we're both getting in trouble, okay? So it is in their best interest to do everything that is being told to them. That is the same thing that applies to us as adults. Every single week, every single week, if he can help it, my boss is up here pouring out his heart. Every single week, he's getting up here unloading every barrel and his gun that he's got. He's giving everything the Holy Spirit has given him. He is walking away sweating and tired and just Dying inside because he knows that somebody walked away and didn't get what they were supposed to get. Can I just be honest with you guys about that? He walks away happy that he got out what the Holy Spirit wanted him to get out, but sad at the same time because he knows that people have turned away. That is his heart and his passion. Every single week he pours out everything he's got. There is nothing left and there is nothing left on him. His hands are clean because he has given everything he's got. Every single week we have the choice to turn towards the word that the Lord has given or to turn away. Every single week the Holy Spirit is trying to grab a hold of us and grab us and turn us the way we're supposed to go. Turn was actually the theme this year at YouthQuest, wasn't it? Turn was the theme at YouthQuest. 
Every time I heard them talking about it, I know they were talking about Malachi 4, 6. Every time I heard them talking about turn, all I could hear is the same thing we've always heard, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. The land that we have underneath us that we're not really understanding at points that is weakening even though we can't see it at points. The land that we think is strong and sturdy and that I can withstand anything that's coming against me. The land that I think has got me under control. Before I know it, it's a Florida sinkhole. The land that I think is okay because occasionally I look at God but then occasionally I turn this way and occasionally I do this and I do what he says and I went to church that day so I'm good so I can go back over here and we play the game of back and forth of this way and that playing the hokey pokey and it doesn't work out well sometimes we turn the wrong way and we decide to risk it all rather than looking at Jesus for everything that we need but underneath it all is just a weakening foundation Kevin would you come play Today, we want to rely on man-made fixes. We want to, in our spiritual lives, we would like to make it easy on ourselves and we'd like to implement a sandbag mentality that if I can just keep it all out there, it's not going to affect me in here. Let me just go ahead and tell you, you cannot keep it all out there. You can stack the sandbags as high as you want to stack them. You're still exposed over time. You're still exposed. Your foundation is exposed, though you think the, the ground is up and is covering it and you're good to go. Your foundation is exposed the, underneath it. You can't see what's happening beneath that soil. You can't see it. Professionals. My uncle, my great uncle Skip's been building houses long before I was born. Engineers who said that that land was perfect for that massive house have been doing it probably before I was born. And yet, they thought they could put this half a million, million dollar house on this land, cut it into the hill, and they're good to go, and they can walk away, and they're going to be blessed by it. That's what they thought. They thought they were good to go, and they walked away thinking they were happy, and they thought they were moving on to the next one. But instead, it was sinking, sinking, weakening. The house had to be jacked up. The house had to be fixed. The house had to be repaired in order for it to be fully livable, in order for people to maintain that house. See, sometimes our foundations are fantastic. Sometimes we're doing good and we're riding that high and we're staying with the word and we're doing everything we have to, but then the storm comes. And then instead of focusing and maintaining and staying with Jesus and staying with him in the midst of the storm, waiting for him to say, peace, be still, we start freaking out. We'll start freaking out and we'll turn and we'll try to go the other way. And we'll try to find a man-made fix to fix what I've got going on right now. Though it's just as it says in there the, that the storm is crashing against the foundation, if we're turning to Jesus and we rely on him, it's just going to crash into it and bounce off. The problem is, is when we turn away from him and we focus on other things and we allow other things in, we allow that, that voice that we don't need to listen to, we allow the temptations of our past, and we allow that, oh man, it, I guess it was a lot better when I was with her before my wife, and I guess it was a lot better when I was doing these things before I got saved. I was a lot more content when I was able to drink. No, nah, you weren't. You were soothing it for a moment. 
That temptation soothes it for a moment. That sin makes you happy for a moment, but it is fleeting. And every time we allow that fleeting impulse to come in and grab a hold of us, we're just, we might as well be putting the crack in ourselves. And every time we put that crack and that crack widens, you guys ever had a, a crack in your windshield? Go look at my red car. It goes from one side to the other. If you let that crack just sit there and you don't fix it, every time there's a weather change, it moves and it moves and it moves. One day you can't see. One day you can't drive. One day you can't do it properly anymore. One day you're no longer really being protected at all. Is our, is our foundation truly what it's supposed to be today? Is our heart and our mind and our focus truly on what Jesus is saying to us? Is our, is our security in what he is doing in our lives, or is it the fact that we've got a decent job right now, a good house? Are we relying and putting all of our faith in that? Because it can be gone. It can be gone. Things may be good today, but if, you're not, if your foundation is not where it's supposed to be, it can be gone. Will you guys stand with me? So is your house on solid foundation today? If there's a, even if there's just a little bitty crack in it today, if you let it go, it can grow. If there's even just the smallest crack in your foundation, today's the day to get it fixed. If your foundation is not in the Lord at all, if he is not your Lord and Savior, today is the day that you get that fixed. Romans 10, 9, confess with your mouth and believe that he is Lord and you are saved. It's, it's kind of ridiculous how easy God has made it to turn from that. So if, if any one of those areas are your, where you're falling, today's the get, time to get it right. This altar is open, Pastor Chad. The second Pastor Chad.